Remember, the views expressed on The Business Bros Show is only the opinion of The Business Bros. You should always seek your own legal advice, tax advice, and any other counsel regarding investments or financial obligations. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to Business Bros. Oh man, I failed it. I missed it that time. Oh, dude. Oh well. Hey, before we do anything else, let's uh, make that other announcement really quick. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on everywhere where you listen to your podcasts. We are on Google Play, Play Store. We're pretty much everywhere now. So do us a favor, hook us up with uh, some reviews. Let us know what you think. Good, bad, or indifferent, we'd appreciate it. Helps us out, and uh, honestly, it gives us a little ego boost to help us keep going. Yeah, you know, pretty trying, much. Trying to put a podcast together for uh, on an everyday level is kind of tough. Oh, it's super tough. But uh, we're super trying our tough. best, and hopefully we're giving you uh, more value than you're giving up in time. I like that. Back Thanks to, to the, the Rebel Broker. Rebel Broker. All right. All right. So, uh, today's episode is on our flipping experiences. <laughs> Flippin', what a flipping experience. What a flipping experience. And an F word, right? So uh, let's see. Let's start off way back. I did. I actually did a, a flip um, without you. It was a, our first ever flip. Yeah, I was a little busy being deployed. Yeah, you were in the Navy. And uh, this was after our uh, our bankruptcy, or my bankruptcy. And um, I had uh, recently gotten married. No kids at the time. No kids yet, but this was uh, not only had you just gotten married, you had also just gone through a bankruptcy. Yeah, I had gone through bankruptcy. Um, I was working at H&R Block at the time, and um, the wife uh, had just started teaching. And so, you know, we were two young kids with very little income. We had a dual income thing, so we were able to put away a nice chunk of change. Yep. And then uh, tax year, the tax return came, and we had extra refund money. Right, right. And rather than blowing it, I somehow convinced the wife to buy a property and not live in it. Don't know how that happened. <laughs> buy a property and not live in it. Now, what year was this? Roundabout? This is uh, the purchase was in September of two thousand eight. And September two thousand eight. So this is right at the bottom of the market. Right at the bottom of the market. Oh, I mean, man. we're talking. We're talking San Diego here. We bought a two bedroom, one bath condo. For $79,000. $79,000 for a two-bed, two-bath condo? Two-bed, one-bath two condo. Two-bed, one-bath condo in San Diego. In San Diego. Wow. I mean, it's it was incredible. And uh, we bought it... Uh, How much does a condo like that go for today, 10 years later? Oh, dude. 10 years later, you're probably looking at somewhere around 240000 today. Wow. Yeah, somewhere for that small condo, probably about two hundred and forty. I wouldn't be surprised if we hit three hundred at the top of the market right now. So it's not a bad uh, investment. We didn't keep it this long, though. right? But um, I mean, our intention was to do a flip. I mean, we thought, okay, we're gonna come in here. We're gonna. I mean, it's a small enough place. We're gonna redo the kitchen, redo the one bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. Turn around, put it on the market, make some money. Well, the fact that you went into it knowing that it was going to be a flip, which financial strategy does that speak to oh man that's that's us thinking of the exit strategy the moment we bought right like we went in with an exit strategy in mind I mean, this is this is after this was after the pedigo house 
This was after the Vegas debacle that turned into a good deal. Right. So we, I had a little more, you know, experience under my belt at that time. Yeah, you had, had bought, bought and sold two whole houses. Yeah, two whole houses. Right. <laughs> hey, that's that's still saying something. That that's is, still saying something. Yeah, that's saying something. We're on our third property in uh, 2008. That makes me what, uh, 26. Yeah, 26. Yeah. 26 20, years old. Or, 20, yeah, you're right. You're right. 26 years old on my third property. So that's not too bad. Not too shabby at all. I mean, by 26, that's more than a lot of people do in a lifetime. Right. So anyways, we get into escrow. We close on this deal. And, uh, and I'll stroke that ego a little bit. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Head inflated. So we, we get into this deal and um, I got a buddy of mine um, who's, who at the time wasn't a general contractor. At the time, he was working for a general contractor and you know he wanted to do some side work and he was you know willing to help us out on this deal we told him what we were working on and he made some side money and helped us uh he basically did all the rehab for us at the house um and we turned around and wanted to put it back on the market i mean we ended up buying it for 79 we spent about 15 grand um and it was a small kitchen a small bath you know we didn't do anything you know, miraculous too. We didn't put like granite countertops or anything like that. You know, for microtops, just how many square feet was the condo? Oh, I don't even remember. I think it was like seven hundred and thirty square feet. I mean, it was okay. it wasn't very big. It was a small yeah. place. Yeah, but uh, but it was nice. I mean, it was in a nicer complex. Uh, the pool was right right behind us, so mm-hmm. you know it was in a desirable location within the complex. Right. Um, it came with a a one location, uh, location, 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 location. It came with a garage space, washer and dryer hookup. I mean, you know, it was a nice spot. Oh, it sounds like you wish you had lived in it. Yeah, you know, at the time we were living in uh, in this little back house, so I mean, it was it wasn't like uh, we were living the high life or anything. <laughs> we we're just, but we didn't need anything. It was just her and I, like, you right, know, no big deal. And so we we got this property. We ended up putting about fifteen grand in to do the the kitchen and the bath. And, uh, we went, you know, we bought it September and we put it right back on the market by December and we listed it for three months, three months. We want to list it for 135. Um, so you're looking to make, what is that? About $55,000 profit? About 55. Yep. But unfortunately, uh, well, not 55 cause we would have been, let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. 80 plus the 15 that puts you at 95. So you're looking at about $40,000 in profit. Yeah. And gross profit before taxes and commissions. Commissions. So problem is the market wouldn't sustain the hundred and thirty five. All we were getting was for about a hundred and twenty and we would have only made like ten grand. In hindsight we should have taken the ten grand and moved on to the next deal. But that would make more sense. Because there was a lot of opportunities like that out there. So we right. could have moved yeah, on that, to the next deal. At that time there was definitely a lot that of opportunities. That would have been ten like grand that. in three months. Go find another one. Do it again. Yeah. You know, but but at the time we're like only making 10 grand. Yeah, picky people. Only, only making 10 grand. Ah, we're not going to do that. So. Well, yeah, but we also got to remember where we were coming from with the Pedigo property and the Vegas property where the first time we refinanced the Pedigo property, we pulled 50 grand out. And when we sold the Vegas property, we made another 50 grand. We made another 50 grand. Yeah. So, yeah, 10 grand at the time was like. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pedigo the first time was 50 grand. I mean, we. We ended up selling Pedigo for four sixty four. So I mean, we we cleared out a good two hundred grand over the time that we owned that property. Right. So it was it wasn't a bad deal at all. Not at all. So you know that's you but know, that ten grand at that time it looked small by be, comparison. By comparison, but it was a different market. That's the other thing is is we knew things were bad, but we didn't see 
the opportunities as clear as we see them coming today. Right. Because right now we're in the market where it's already shifting and I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to these deals coming around the corner. Now we got the cash stacked. Now we're ready to with the experience. We have the connections. We have the hard money if we need to. We mm-hmm. have everything we need to to make these deals happen when this turnaround comes. And this time we'll take the ten grand in three months and move on to the next one. And chalk it up to a mistake. Oh, we only made ten grand. Right. <laughs> so so you know that's okay. But in in that situation we didn't we weren't able to, you know we we couldn't agree to sell it for that ten grand. Excuse me for that ten grand profit. So instead, we ended up renting it. We got a Section A tenant in there, and we were making about one hundred and fifty bucks a month. And we let her know that this is going to be a one year thing because we intended on selling it. Mm-hmm. And actually, we we gave her the option that we you know when the time came, if she wanted to, she could buy it too. Um, you know, she wasn't in a position to do so, but you know, at least we were trying to give that Vegas strategy a shot again. You yeah, know, see how it absolutely. works out. So. Um, we didn't, and we, we, after one year, we put it back on the market and we ended up selling it for about 140. So we ended up clearing about 50 grand nice. after, after taxes and commissions. And that's not bad. You know, one year's worth of, after the rehab, you know, we making 50 grand is not a bad gig. Not a bad gig. Now going back to the taxes really quick here at the time you were married. I was married. So if you had held on to that property for one more year after that. You could have taken all of that money tax-free, right? Yes. No. No, we couldn't have because um, we didn't live in the property two of the five years. Oh, you didn't live in the property. So if we had lived in it, if it had been our primary residence for two of the five years that we owned it, then we could clear up to 250 single, half a million dollars tax-free. Gotcha. Gotcha. But since we didn't own it, it just got treated as a long-term capital gains because we, uh, we owned it for more than a year. Got it. And the long-term capital gains is a different tax. It's a 15% tax rate rather than your ordinary tax rate. So okay. a short-term gain is going to be taxed at whatever your income tax rate is. Mm-hmm. But a long-term, the cap rate was at 15% at the time. All right. All right. So um, a little bit of tax stuff in yeah, there. Yeah, throw a little bit of tax stuff. So anyways, we end up making fifty grand, right? And uh, unfortunately, I didn't know anything at the time about hard money lending. I had no other resource as far as financing was concerned mm-hmm. and mind you this is 2009 there's nobody giving out mortgages at the time yeah no they had already done that they had already given them all out so the criteria, again yeah anybody who's interested watch the big short yeah. great movie so i mean mind you i had a bankruptcy under my belt i mean i'm still within a few years after bankruptcy so it's you know it's I think three years after bankruptcy at this point so nobody was going to lend me money i didn't know that there was other markets that would charge me more interest but for these short-term deals, I should have been doing them, you know, all day so long. So the large banks were going to laugh you out the door. Right. But there were other options. There were other options. So what do you know about hard money now? Now I know that there is money out there. The The property is the deal. The, the property, property is, is the, the collateral. Deal. I like that. And so, and so investors, um, people who have these pools of money, they want to put that money to work. But they don't necessarily want to want to do the actual, you know, nail hammer flip part. They just want to fund the deal. They want to be the bank. Right. And so um, we. And could, that's actually another lesson from uh, the richest man in Babylon is to be beca- the money be the money lender. Be the money lender. Be the bank. Be if the you're bank. the bank, then you can definitely uh, make a ton of money going forward. 
So that was, I mean, that was the one we made money on. Now let's talk about the one we lost money on. Do we have to jump to that one so soon? I mean, dude, this, let's, we, we got to be balanced, I think. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's one thing to inflate our egos and say, you know, we did a great job. But I think our listeners at least benefit from both fronts. The, Definitely. The Absolutely. positives are great. That's good. You guys made money. Woohoo. How'd you mess up? Yeah. Definitely, we will talk about that. So here's a story all about how our life got twist turned upside down. Yeah. So shut up and sit down. Shut <laughs> up and sit down and <laughs> learn a lesson on how not to do it. Not to do it. Here so, we go. First of all, um, we decided we were gonna try the leverage thing, right? So we we took out hard money for this particular. Deal. Yeah, we had learned about hard money. We had learned about how. There are private lenders out there that will lend you money to invest in real estate. Right, right. On a short-term basis. On a short-term basis. And, I mean, essentially it's a it was a good deal. The hard money wasn't the issue that we had here. It was controlling the expenses the and, manage, issue, yeah. and managing the time. Right, because, right. Because had we controlled the expenses and managed the time properly, the hard money wouldn't have been an issue. Right. So, um, so the hard money is debt. It's debt that you're taking on. And we talked about this in the last episode, how you are a slave to debt. Right. 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 So this particular debt is a short term debt, but you still are a slave to it. You still are in, uh, you still owe somebody money. So you still have to make those payments every month. It's essentially a mortgage with a higher interest rate with a higher interest rate. So if we had been smart, we would have planned out the project a lot better than we did. Yes, for sure. And we wouldn't have been so upside down making those monthly payments. Right, right. So, so we took on that debt. And, you know, m- most, at that time, we were definitely on the hunt for, for another, the next flip. Right. We've done a couple. We did, we're on our way. We're doing really well. We want to find the next deal. And it's a hot market. So we're competing with a lot of other investors out there finding the next deal. And I mean, we saw a lot of properties, but most of them were dump dumps. I mean, we're looking for something that, you know, we can fix up and flip. So we're looking at ugly properties. We're looking for the ugliest house in the nicest neighborhood. Right. And some of these were just ugly houses in ugly neighborhoods. Right. Right. And, and that, you know, that, that wasn't what we were looking for. Um, and, you know, we, we start, it, the, the problem is it's, it's a numbers game, right? So we're looking, we're looking, we're looking, and you start getting this emotional feeling about we need to make this money do something. We need to make it move. It's like when you're playing poker and you just fold, 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 and you just have that urge to play a hand even though you have a 2-7 unsuited. And it gets you in trouble. And it gets you in trouble because you land that two pair on the flop and you get beat. And you get beat. And that's that's kind of the, the thing that was going on with us. We're thinking, okay, we have to make a move. We have to make a move. We have to make a move instead of saying we need to make the right move. Right. And so we came across this property, which was... Um, How did we find the property? Um, we were using, um, uh, well, basically a wholesaler. A wholesaler. So they are the ones who get these properties under contract and then sell the contract to investors like us. So this is one of the strategies that we actually learned from that first real estate seminar that we took with Chief Denny. This is an assignment of contract. This is an assignment of contract, right? So a real estate wholesaler is somebody who's out there basically dialing for dollars. 
they are on the phones all day long calling 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 asking hey do you want to sell your house 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 give you pennies on the dollar basically right and eventually somebody says yes because they know that the property is in horrible condition right or there's some financial need that they need to get out of and then divorce disaster right and so these wholesalers lock the property up in contract and they have a network of investors like us who come in and buy the deal and do the work. Right. And so... You they know, make money just assigning the contract to us. That's it. So they, they get the property under contract. Let's say, in our example, we ended up buying it for 430000 They probably got it under contract for something like four hundred or 410000 So they made twenty grand on the deal without doing anything. Without even actually owning the property. Without owning the property. I shouldn't say without doing anything. You're absolutely right. Without owning the property. They maintain control of the deal and mm-hmm. sold the deal off. They sold the contract. Else. The contract. Just the paper. So it yep. was a paper sale. And um, so, I mean, we we did go in. We did look at this property. We brought our contractor in. And the contractor came in and said, you know, this, you know, right now is probably not a best time for me to do the flip. You guys might have to seek another contractor somewhere else. All right. And so not only are we doing hard money lending. Not only are we using a wholesaler that we've never done before, now we have to also look for a contractor that we haven't been working with, um, and hopefully all the pieces work together. So we we get into this deal, we buy it for four thirty, and um, you know we have this estimated budget of somewhere around sixty five seventy thousand dollars. I think was what we were thinking. Before we move on, though, I mean, basically we set ourselves up for like a perfect storm. Oh yeah, we. We're kind of buying emotionally instead of logically. Very much so, I think. Right, because we just we had this money and we wanted to move. We wanted to do something with it. And we were like, okay, how can we make this happen? Which is a very good thing, right? Instead of saying, we can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it. We said, how do we do it? And we found solutions. But we were inexperienced. And so we were doing three things that we just didn't normally do, which was to take on the hard money loan to use a contractor that we weren't used to. And what was that last thing? And, uh, I don't know. Oh, the wholesaler. The, the wholesaler. Whole... Yes, yes, using the wholesaler. Using the wholesaler. So, so all of these different things that we didn't find our own deal, we didn't set up our own deal, we didn't have our normal contractor, and, um, and you know, the financing just, terms and the different. financing, and, so, and all of this stuff, we just, we set ourselves up for, really, the perfect storm. Well, yeah, hindsight, right? Hindsight. Hindsight, but also... We wanted to learn. We did want to learn. We just didn't know it was going to be as expensive as it was. We didn't know how expensive that tuition would be. So, you know, we, we bought for four thirty. We're thinking of a budget about sixty, seventy grand, and we're thinking of a sale price about five fifty five. Right. Right. Well, I mean, all in all, what ended up happening? We are you know, we we started it started off at a good pace, but the design that we wanted, the plan that we wanted kind of didn't go to fruition you know it ended up it, it was a huge huge property i mean was what was it like almost three thousand almost feet. three thousand square feet it was yeah. huge it was like ginormous. a maze we called it the maze house we did call it the maze house so what we kind of found out through going uh through going through the property and going through the property was somebody must have been renting out each and every single room using it as some kind of a boarding house yeah because right? they had like 10 rooms not permitted not but permitted. it had like 10 rooms right and so we had to go back and knock out walls and 
make you know put rooms back to their original patio condition and, right you know everything so that it was done back the way it was supposed to be right in a much nicer way because when we turned around and sold it it was going to be by what the permit said exactly by what was on on the tax records and so you know do that huge that was a huge undertaking i mean it did require some framing it did require um some electrical work it did require uh putting in a couple new windows into this place right right all new flooring throughout the whole house new kitchen new brand new kitchen i mean new bathroom we extended the master bedroom uh i mean we our sixty to seventy thousand dollar budget ended up being how much? About a hundred and two. About a hundred and two. It's a hundred and fifty percent above. Above more than a hundred. Yeah. Not just that, because the the work that we ended up doing was different than our original projection. It took more time. It took longer. And the problem with more time is the hard money. That hard money. We ended up spending about twenty four grand in hard money costs. Just in paying off the, just paying the monthly mortgage. Yep. So I mean, this this project ended up taking what nine months. It was ugly. Yeah. Nine months from our originally projected three to maybe four months at the most. And and part of it was um was ego again on our behalf because the house actually came out really nice. It did. Right. And then we started instead of going because I had originally projected a sale price of five fifty five after repair value. Right. Was five fifty five. Yep. And but that what was, happened? That was your that was our exit strategy since day one from the beginning. Right. So we went in saying we're gonna get out of this property at five fifty five. But what happened? As we started making this house nicer and nicer and nicer, we boosted our own egos and we're like, this isn't five fifty five. We should sell it for like six ten, six fifteen. Right. And so we listed it way up there, and it sat. Oh man, we got slapped in the face hard it and fast slapped. on that one. And so, and so, since since it sat on the market for so long, we had to do price reduction, price reduction, price reduction in a hot market, mind you. So if you're in a hot market and you're doing a price reduction, you know you were overpriced. Yep. And it doesn't look good. No, it doesn't look good. It looks and like it there's gives, something wrong with the property. And it gives the buyer leverage. It does give the buyer leverage. And so, and and by the way, this is the first time we ever had an escrow not go through so, oh yeah so we had somebody in escrow didn't we have two we um no no the second one it was just the yeah, one it was just the one the the you know we were everything was good they go through inspection and then last minute they ended up backing out because they decided too much house for this newlywed couple see you were the agent on that one uh so we saved a little bit on the um commissions commissions there and I really didn't have a lot to do with, with the that side. process. So, you know? so I didn't even know that it was just a couple. It was a couple. It was a couple. And it was it was a five bedroom, two and a half bath place. It was, yeah, three thousand square feet. It was a good sized place. Yeah. Three car garage. I mean, it was it was a good sized place. Yep. And so they just decided, nope, this is too much house. I don't blame them. And backed out of escrow. And so now you're talking to the guy who has been living in an RV for a year, which is about 288 square feet yeah, yeah so that's 10 times the space that i've been living in like wow yeah that's that's way too much for just a couple so they backed out now it looks like the house is overpriced now it looks like the house has problems with it because these these people backed out of escrow and i gotta put it back on the market all in all we end up selling for what 555 
our original projected after repair value. So you were right on the money with that. And every and everything we did though, everything we did in this property was ass backwards from what we always say we do. We bought emotionally. Right. We didn't plan for the uh for the repair the way we wanted to. We took on too many different risks on that one deal. All at once. I mean all at once. We let our egos get ahead of of pricing the place where we, we changed had rid- our exit we strategy. We changed our exit strategy mid investment right i mean all these things and you know all in all we ended up losing about about 40 grand on that deal forty thousand dollars poof gone gone so that put a nice little damper on our uh on our record a <laughs> nice damper on our record nice slap to our egos i mean we haven't actually done any flips since that property it, but it's not because um it's not because we're not doing any flips. It's because uh, the price point just got too high where we wanted to be at. Right. And so, you know, at that at this point, now we're thinking a little more logically. We're like, okay, we know we got to do something with our money, but we're, we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna do it here in San Diego, which is why we ended up buying properties in in Alabama. Alabama. So, and that goes back to our uh, previous podcast. What was that rule number four? Don't lose money. Don't lose money. What do we do? We We lost lost money. money. We lost a lot of it. And so, you know, I mean, you learn, you, again, you fall down, you scrape your knee, you rub a little dirt on it and you keep going. But the market's changing. The market is changing right now. The real estate market is shifting. And I'm so excited that prices are going to, they're, they're starting to change, right? We're starting to see different things, especially happen here in San Diego, um, where we're going to see a dip in the market and I know it's going to suck for a lot of people, but for me, it's like that second chance, right? We're going to hit the ground running. We're going to have all the connections. We're going to have all the experience and nothing but, you know, the wind at, at our backs. And yep. it's going to be a whole different ball game when this market changes and these things come around. Definitely. So what are our takeaways? What did we learn from all of this and how are we going to use that going forward? All right. So going forward, first of all. Keep the emotions out of it, first and foremost. All right, investing is really more of a logical thing than it is emotional. Taking that logic into consideration, work or make a plan, and then and work stick the to plan. It. Yeah. So, I mean, real estate is one thing. I also invest in stocks, right? And uh, I invest in in options more than more than stocks themselves. And one of the things that are the people that I learned from Tasty Trade, okay, the one of the things that they talk about is stick to the mechanics. There's a way that they teach to invest where you give yourself a high probability of success. And if you stick to the plan, if you stick to those mechanics, you're gonna make money. Which is what we did in our first couple experiences. We stuck did stuck to the plan and you made money. The moment we deviated from the plan because we were emotional, it didn't work. And same thing with stocks. If you are a stock investor and you're getting emotional about your investments, stop and think about the logic. Take your emotions out of it. Make logical choices with your investments, and, whether real estate, business, or stocks. And, and you know, the, the thing is, though, it's, it's really easy to say not to be invest- emotional. It's very, It's much more difficult to do. Money is an emotional thing. 
right? But it has no emotions. It has no emotions, but it gives people emotions. It gives people emotions, and and you know that's kind of one of those one of those pieces of advice that I give to people who are talking about investing, especially right now that there's they have a lot of equity in their homes and they're taking money out and they they think they want to go and do the next deal. Um, you know, I'm I'm starting to you know give them a little caution, and I kind of try to breathe reality into their into their mind and tell them you know hey you've never done this before it's not like the diys that you see on you know hgtv or anything like that it's, it's not like that are you a brick maker or are you a jeweler right i mean I'm, I'm trying to tell you from personal experience here it's it's not as easy as it looks it's not something you can just do after work and get it all done you you need to dedicate your time you need to dedicate a lot of effort and if you have weird feelings about your money not being in your hands for more than 30 60 90 days this is not for you right because your money can get tied up and you can legitimately lose there's people out there that are flipping still right now and if the market were to shift in the next 30 days and dramatically shift they could lose a ton of money yep i mean that's a stressful thing you know it is when when that when that market shifted in 2008 and it wasn't just the real estate market, though. The the derivatives market was in the stock game, and that right. tanked, too. So there's a lot of people with 401ks, a lot of people with money invested in IRAs. Thank you, Lehman Brothers. Right, that took a big hit. Yep. And that's an emotional stress. I mean, they were very tied together. You know, a lot of the reason why the stock market tanked the way that it did is because so many stocks were so invested in or so the big banks were so invested in uh, those subprime mortgages, right. right? Again, watch this movie if you haven't already, The Big Short. Okay, so all of these banks are, are highly invested, highly leveraged in sub subprime mortgages. And all of these banks that are so highly invested there, uh, they are funding all of the mutual funds. They're funding all of the... Um, what do you call it? There's there's a term that I'm derivatives? trying to think of. Derivatives markets, um, not mutual funds, but uh, fund uh, hedge funds, hedge, hedge funds. funds. All the hedge fund managers, all of these different people, they're getting money from these different companies. So it's like levels upon levels upon levels of borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. And so when somebody like Lehman's Brothers crashed, it Everything just brought everything with it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be as bad, but any, I hope not. any correction like that, any, in, you know, and the other thing about these cyclical markets is, is, you know, that, that heartbeat, that up and down of the, of the markets, they're getting more and more severe as time goes on. You know, I mean, the real estate market has always had its cycles, right? It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, usually in about 10 year cycles. But the last down was a sharp one. Yeah. This last up was a sharp one. True. So who's we to recovered say, pretty quickly from yes. that 2008, you know, yeah. recession. And we shot back up to where things were before. And if not a little bit higher. Yep. So who's to say that this next correction isn't a quick, sharp one down again? I mean, it could very well be. It could very well be. And if it's a sharp, you know, drop down, emotions are going to have a big role. Right. Always, you know, we always we talked about the Mubas. Have we ever talked about the Mubas? Yeah. I don't think we've talked about the Muba. Right, following the herd. Bye. You can't always follow the herd. If everybody is selling, what you do you do? Probably be buying. You should probably be thinking about buying at least, or educating yourself into it. Right. 
So, I mean, if people are forced to sell, if things are going bad, if everybody's telling you the real estate market is not good, chances are it's probably a really good deal. That's another tasty trade principle, by the way. Be a contrarian. Be a contrarian. You know, there's it, it's something to be said about um, listening to what's going on and then doing your due diligence and taking a look for yourself. Right. Because one man's one's man one man's trash is another man's treasure and money changes hands it doesn't disappear so one of the things that we learned was don't invest emotionally and one of the things that we're telling people is educate yourself start now now start now educate yourself now so that when the time comes you're ready for it right you need you want to get lucky and find the next deal you got to be prepared Luck favors the prepared. You have to be prepared to take action and to do something. So, I mean, we did the last ep- last episode was like a pay yourself first. Right. You need to have that money set aside so you can make a deal happen for yourself. Right. Right. If you don't have any money, there are plenty of strategies out there so you can turn around and make money. Yep. But, but having the cash, having the habit of putting that money away to work for you is going to take you further than just being able to structure a deal. Right. That's only part of the part of the overall strategy. That's just good money habits so that you can continue to be successful. So that was our uh, good flipping experience and our bad flipping experiences. That's why we call this the flipping experience with an emphasis on the F, right? And an emphasis on the F. All right. So we ended up you know, making money over time. We've done really well in real estate, but we've also got our butt kicked a couple times. And ho- well, that one time. And hopefully... Um, this is one of those things where our listeners are benefiting from that. How are we doing on time really quick? We're about 33 minutes. 33. So uh, just another aside that we can talk about. We can probably ske- uh, uh, schedule a, a, an episode around this. But our other property that hasn't gone particularly well of the three Alabama properties that we got, one has not performed as well as the other two. Right. All right. That's so true. we're not perfect. You know, nobody is, nobody expects anybody to be. We do sometimes uh, make investments that are not profitable, you know, but the thing about it is you got to learn, you got to be okay with making mistakes, right? You got to be willing to learn You and, you know, hopefully it doesn't cost you 40 grand like it did, you know, to us or whatever it is, but you got to be able to make those mistakes. You got to be willing to get yourself out there and and learn right and you're going to mitigate your losses not not every every deal is going to be win 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 the whole time right you do it, it's real estate things go bad right? or it's stocks or it's things stocks. go bad right it's it, investing nobody you're you're not guaranteed to make money not every single time but you make money over the long term if you're consistently doing the things that we're talking about, if you're consistently investing without the emotion, if you learn your rules, yeah, if you if you stick to the program, if you stick to the rules, trust the process, trust the process, and don't try to make money super quick. Yep. The moment you try to make get get rich quick, you're gonna get kicked in the butt. That's, That's why casinos true. rule, right? Because you go in there and you're expecting to hit that jackpot. Yep. But 99.9% of the time, actually, I think it's like 98.2% of the time. I don't know what it is that the the machine actually does pay. It just pays you back less than what you put in. <laughs> so, you know, you do win. You just don't win what you put in. Right? So you paid a dollar and you win, you win, you win, but you only won 50 cents. Oh, actually, you win like 98 cents. Oh, okay. Whatever. Right? So you're, it, still, the it still costs you out. two cents. Right. So, and over time, 
it you adds lose. up. You know, and yep. so so that's kind of the thing. Don't try to make the don't go for the grand slam. Just get a bunch of base hits, and you're gonna you're gonna have an awesome batting average, and you're gonna enter the Hall of Fame. There you go. Right, base hit after base hit after base hit. You do not need a grand slam every time you come up to bat. Be a Tony Gwynn. Be a Tony. R.I.P. Tony. R.I.P. Tony. All right. So as usual, if you have any of your stories, experiences, problems, or questions, feel free to contact us www.csfirst.com. Follow us on Facebook at csfirst or on Twitter at Trades on the Road. And that's all I got for you guys. Peace. Find us on iTunes and rate us and all your uh, podcast. Avenues. Avenues. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Apps. Yeah. Apps. Google Play, etc. Find us, rate us, help us out. All right. Peace. And I'm out. Bye-bye.